All right, our reading for today is Romans chapter 4. Uh, this is um, an important chapter for us to teach about faith and justification before God. Uh, justification was a topic that was introduced toward the end of the last chapter, uh, particularly the last verses of Romans 3. Uh, and uh, in this chapter, we see that Abraham is a foundational character uh, to that idea. And so let's consider some things we can glean from it. Um, there's a word that appears over and over again uh, in the chapter. Verse 3, for example, says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 4 says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted to him as a gift, but as his due. Verse 5, And to the one who does not work, but trusts in him who justifies uh, the ungodly, his faith is counted to him as righteousness. Verse 6, Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God uh, to whom uh, God counts righteousness apart from his works. Verse 9, we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Verse 11, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And so forth and so on. You kind of get the point hopefully by now. The same Greek word is behind each of those times we read counted or counts. It's the Greek word uh, logizomai, and it was an accounting term. Some of you who are in accounting might, uh, might resonate with this. It, it's a word that uh, accountants would in that day would have been familiar with. Why does Paul use this word so much here? What does it mean? This is one of the most important issues in Christian theology regarding your salvation. That is not an overstatement. Hear that again. This is one of the most important issues in Christian theology regarding your salvation. Paul uses this accounting word because it carries the idea of moving something from one account to another, crediting something to someone's account. There's another word that theologians sometimes use for this. It's called imputation. Imputation. That's just a fancy way of saying what I've just described. To impute something is to credit something to someone's account. This is significant because the thing that Paul says is being credited or counted or imputed from one account to another is what? Righteousness. <laughs> Righteousness is being credited Whose righteousness? The righteousness of God. Remember, that's the righteousness that's been in view since the end of chapter 3. Credited to whom? To everyone who trusts in Jesus. You see that in Romans 3.22 and then chapter 4, verse 5. There are three major imputations in the Bible. One is Adam's sin in the garden is, is charged to our account. You see, we'll see that in Romans 5. Our sin uh, was charged to Jesus' account. That's the second one. So the first one is Adam's sin charged to our account. The second one is our sin is charged to Jesus' account. 
We see that in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. How did it, meaning he, it, to be sin, how? Well, he wasn't a sinner, so it wasn't his own sin. How, did, how was he made to be sin? Our sin was placed on him, imputed to him. The third one, though, is Jesus' righteousness is, is credited to our account when we believe. You see all the, the verses that we mentioned earlier as, as point of that. The fact is, we need righteousness in order to stand before the Lord. The problem is we aren't righteous. We are wretchedly and woefully unrighteous. So our only hope of standing before God and not being condemned to hell eternally is someone who is righteous giving us their righteousness. That is what Paul is saying here. The righteousness of God is is counted or credited to our account when we repent and believe. This is this, this, this is one of the great transa transactions that takes place in justification. Remember yesterday I said justification and justified was a law court, a courtroom uh, uh, term. And it would, at, at the end of the trial, if you were justified, it meant you were declared not guilty. Well, that's really only half the truth. Because in, in the Bible, justification is not merely saying you are not going to be held guilty for your sins. The second truth of justification is uh, a righteousness is actually given to you. So not only is your, is your, um, your slate wiped clean of your sin, but it, your, your account is filled up with righteousness that someone earned on your behalf. When we repent and believe, and so not only are we, are we forgiven uh, of our sins, uh, because our sins were charged to Jesus' account, but we are counted as righteous because Jesus' righteousness is now credited to our account. Our sins were transferred to him, uh, the price that he was paying on the cross, and his righteousness is transferred to us, the reward for which we will enjoy forever. So I guess maybe this is another question that we can answer here. Um, how were people in the Old Testament saved? Uh, because this is prior to Christ coming and doing that work we've just described. And this is a question that has puzzled a lot of people. Uh, the difficulty in the minds of many arises in this way. We are saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus. So how were those uh, people saved who lived before Jesus died and was raised? Well, unfortunately, some people have the mistaken idea that the way people were saved in the Old Testament was by keeping the law. Whereas now we're saved by grace through faith. That is most definitely not the case. Since we just saw Paul tell us in the, in the previous chapter that by in Romans 3.20 that by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin, the law doesn't uh, just makes us aware of how sinful we are. So those in the Old Testament were, were not saved by keeping the law. The law simply made them aware, like I said, of how sinful they were. So how were they saved? Don't miss the fact that the main character of this chapter is Abraham, <laughs> who just happens to be perhaps the most dominant uh, and patriarchal uh, figure in the Old Testament. He's, he's the father of the Jewish faith, Father Abraham. And what is he commended for in this chapter? Faith. How does this chapter say he was saved? Faith. Over and over again, Paul quotes Genesis 15, 6 
and reminds us that it was Abraham's faith that was counted to him as righteousness. So people in the Old Testament were saved in the same way we are, by faith in a Savior. For them, the Savior was still to come. For us, the Savior has come. It is what the Savior did in his life, death, and resurrection that is the basis for the salvation of everyone who uh, believes both before him and after him. There's only one way of salvation, faith in Jesus Christ. They may not have, not, not have known his name, but he knew that he was to come. They knew that as early as Genesis 3.15. They were saved just as we are. Those are some thoughts from Romans chapter 4.